you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 9, as we kind of keep going um, in our Multiply series, I want to talk to you today about becoming a multiplier. So a few years back, like maybe 15 or 16 years back, I was on my way to work at Brookville Road Community Church, our mom church, where we start, I started in ministry. I was on my way to work, and um, it was the beginning of new, a new semester. It was in January, and it was about five degrees outside. And I was, I was uh, just getting my feet wet as a pastor. So, you know, I was feeling the weight of my life on my chest. I mean, I could feel it. And so I'm sitting at this stoplight, and I needed to turn left to go to Brookville Road. But I started to feel God tug on my heart to say, hey, I want you to come and spend the day with me. And so I'm sitting there debating about that and feeling that weight. And when the light turned uh, green, instead of turning left, I turned right. And I went toward the interstate. And I immediately felt guilty and irresponsible uh, that I was doing this. But I just kept following this tug, believing that God was, was calling me away for the day, from the busyness, from the pressures of life. And I didn't really know where I was going, but I ended up about an hour south in a, a Brown County State Park. And so when I got to the park, I started looking for a remote place where there would be little chance that I would run into anybody. I don't know why that mattered on a January morning when it's five degrees. I was probably there with one other person in the park, but it mattered that day to me. But I found this trail that went around Ogle Lake, which is, I don't know how remote it is, but it seemed remote at the time. So I got my Bible, I started down this trail. And I, I went to a, a place by the, by the lake, and I just sat down and started reading my Bible, and, and I just soaked in. I just soaked in God's presence. I soaked in the message of creation, you know, that we have a great God, and He is glorious. He made all this. It's even beautiful in the middle of winter. So I'm sitting there soaking all this in, reading the Bible, and I look up, and there's a hill that's higher than all the other hills around. And I got this idea, you know what? I need to get up to the top of that hill. And so I got, I got up and I started walking. I took the trail over there and there was a problem. The trail didn't go up to the top of that hill. And of course, you know, if you've ever been to any state park or any park anywhere, they give you a map with all the trails and it says in there, stay on the trail for your own safety and for the preservation of the park. And so I'm standing there and I'm like, I want to go up there, but the trail goes this way. So you know what I did? I went off the trail. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for a guy like me to do something like that, but I did it. I climbed up this hill, and I got up to the top, and I just laid down on the wet leaves, and I just laid there and let God minister to my heart. And it it seemed like just a few minutes. I spent half the day up there. And and all the time I'm up there, I I could feel and hear life calling me back. Calling me back down off the hill, back down to the busyness, back down to the responsibilities, back down to church, back down to my family, back down where it's safe and comfortable and warm. I was feeling that call, but I knew that up there in that moment, I was in the presence of God 
And he was ministering to my heart. He was hearing my prayers. He was collecting my tears in his bottle. He was strengthening me. He was warming my heart even though the rest of me was cold. It was amazing and I didn't want to leave. I truly believe that day that God called me up off off the trail up to the top of that mountain by Ogle Lake where he could only do up there what he couldn't do down on the trail. Now we've been talking about multiplying around here for the past three weeks or so. Believing that God is on the move right here in Living Streams, right here in McCordsville. And that he wants us to be part of what he's doing. He wants us to become multipliers with him. You know, God has a story problem. We talked about how awful story problems are. Well, God's got a story problem. And it's a multiplication story problem. He wants to get a lot of people saved. And for us to join him in solving that problem, we've got to leave the trail and go up the mountain to the place where we talk to people about Jesus. We leave our life. We leave our security. We leave our comforts. We risk getting up there to help somebody else have a mountaintop experience like we had when Jesus changed our life. Well, we're going to start here in uh, Acts chapter 9. And I'm going to read a lot of it because I like to read the Bible to you. And uh, I'm going to invite you today to become a multiplier. So let's read this together. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him uh, for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and he entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. 
For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. But they did not believe that, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray. Father God, we just are in awe of how you work. Let me think about this testimony from your word and the story that it tells of a man who was against you, your enemy, a danger to those who knew you, and how you brought him to faith and began to use him to multiply the church. Such an amazing story. Thankful, Lord, to be encouraged by it today. And as I am mindful of encouraging people today to be a multiplier like this, there's those that aren't here. They don't have a reason to be here. They don't have faith. They never heard your name. They don't really know who you are. They don't know what you've done. Jesus is a word that they use profanely. Some of them are against you. I'm praying for those right now, Lord. They're out there sleeping today, not knowing that this day is your day to honor you. We believe your spirit is working on them right now. Just like you worked here between Saul and Ananias, you're working there and you're working here. And after this, you're going to send us out with people on our hearts that are sitting on top of a mountain waiting for us to climb up there and lead them to Jesus. 
Lord, I have a weak effort today to encourage people to do this. Would you take these words of mine and make them useful in our hearts and lives to say yes to you and to go? Thank you. That you don't call us to something that's beyond you, even though it's beyond us. So help us, Lord. Make you the one thing that matters in our life to burn this plow that we have and to go. We believe it can happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if we're going to become a multiplier, the first thing we got to do is we got to make use of the trail. Make use of the trail that we walk. You know, Saul's conversion story, it's one of the best known conversion stories ever. In the history of the church. I mean, in in the beginning of chapter 9, he is the greatest enemy of Jesus. And then just a few miles down the road, a few verses in, he has a mountaintop experience with Jesus on the road. He loses his physical sight for just a few days, but he gains his spiritual sight for the rest of his life. Jesus sends a disciple named Ananias to him. Uh, to pray for him, to help him get back on his feet, and to get to work for the kingdom. And then in verses 18 to 22, Saul starts on his journey on the trail with Jesus. And as, as is often the case for a new believer, he starts climbing the mountain. He starts going to meet with unbelievers and tell them, Hey, something amazing just happened to me. You really need to know about this Jesus guy. He really is the Son of God. So he goes to the synagogue. He's climbing the mountain. That's what I'm, I'm trying to uh, relate that t- today, to let that uh, mean, what that means. So he's quick to go do that. Verse 19 says, as soon as Saul could see again, he got baptized. That's a good thing. If you haven't been baptized, I invite you to come talk to me about that and let's get it done. He got baptized. He ate some food and he started to get strong. That is what the trail is for. The trail is to strengthen our lives. To strengthen our lives so that we can climb up the mountain. So Saul says, it says he spent some time, some days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, those were people he was heading there to arrest. He was going to bind them up and march them back to Jerusalem to stand trial before the high priest. He was trying to squash the way. So he was, now instead of arresting them, these people are family. They're friends. He's spending time in their homes. He's hanging out, sharing, hey, i got to tell you what happened to me. This is amazing. And then they share their story with him. They're being encouraged and, and they're being built up. That's what the trail is for. Time on the trail should include strengthening our relationships in the Lord. Because you need to remember this. 
remember this, I'm going to remind you, as long as you're at Living Streams, what we're doing here is not a Lone Ranger thing. We're not meant to believe by ourselves at home in our prayer closets. We're meant to do this together. This is a together thing. We're believing together. This is a place to know someone and to be known. This is a place to love someone and be loved. uh, To serve and be served. To pray for and be prayed for. All of these things happen on the trail. We share life on the trail. We share our spiritual life on the trail. If we are ever going to get off the trail and go up the mountain and have a spiritual conversation with someone who does not know Jesus, if we're ever going to do that, be a multiplier in the kingdom, we need a tribe. A tribe of people who we know have got our back. That every, every step we take up that mountain, someone is praying for us all along the way. This is a spiritual battle that we are in. We cannot do this in our own, in our own flesh. We need to be in the spirit. And we need it all to be bathed in prayer. So strengthen your relationships while you're walking the trail. You also want to strengthen your faith on the trail. Strengthen your faith. And one of of the things that you can do to strengthen your faith is to know your story. To understand how you came to faith in Christ. You know, Saul's conversion story is pretty dramatic. It's got pretty hard lines. It's really easy to see. There's There's a before Jesus part. There's a meeting Jesus part, and there's a life with Jesus part. And it's really easy to see that. And after some days with the disciples of getting his story straight, immediately he goes up and he starts sharing that in the synagogues to, to those that need to hear it. So on the trail, it's a place to get your story straight. You got your story straight? You know, I heard a, um, a testimony this week on YouTube. It was an amazing testimony. I mean, this guy, he was like, you know, he grew up in church and, and um, he, he was just feeling like something was missing in his life. And so somebody finally asked him to come to this youth event. And so he goes to this youth event and he's there and everybody's praying. And there was a lady up there and she was worshiping and he was like, man, she's got something I don't got. And he, he said, I prayed this prayer. God, I want what she's got. And he said, God heard that prayer. And I immediately went over and I started to confess. And then God, you know, he met me right there. And then I went off and, and I went on, on with my life. And it's just been different ever since. The way I see life is all different. Not one time did he mention the name of Jesus. Not one time. Listen, if your story doesn't include Jesus, then you don't have a story. He's the only way. He's the one who makes the difference because he's the only one who's died for you. He was the only one worthy to die for you. He was the only one who was able to die for you. He's the only one who walked all the way up that hill and died on the cross, shed his blood so your sins could be forgiven and you could know God. He is the only one. And every single person in the world that's ever lived needs to know that. It doesn't happen any, any other way. Now, I'm not saying that guy didn't have a spiritual experience, but there's two sides of the spirit. There's the evil side and the good side. And, and believe me, the enemy is out there and he's working. So do you know your story? Do you have it straight? Say you grew up in church. All right, say, say, say you grew up in church and you really cannot remember a time that you didn't know Jesus' name. A lot of people will say, well, I, I was born a Christian. Well, you know what? I, this is why I say that. Praise God for that. 
Praise God that he didn't have to use crack and get you addicted so that you would turn to him. Praise God that you grew up in the church and your parents were obedient. And you got the the word sowed in your heart. Praise God for that. You know, you know all the stories about Jesus. You know the Christmas story. You know the Easter story. You you know about his miracles, about making the blind see and and the lame walk, cleansing the lepers. You know all those things. You know about his promises. You know about them. But here's the thing. It takes more than knowing about him. The Bible says you need to know him. You need to know him. In John 17, 3, Jesus is praying there and he says this. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So for people that know about Jesus, that are familiar with him, that know the gospel, that agree with the gospel. Yeah, Jesus, he died on the cross to forgive, me, uh, to forgive us of our sins. I believe that. Who wouldn't believe that? I mean, that's the good news. <clears throat> they know about his life. They know about his, his promises. They know about his ministry. They know about all this stuff. But for people that know about all that stuff, they can know all about that. They can know he is Lord. They can call him Lord, but, they, but he cannot be their Lord. It, this, did you understand that? I mean, in, in a sense, the, the thing is, you're still in charge of your life. You're still running the show. You're still calling the shots. And Jesus is over here and he's somebody you go over and talk to when you need him. He's somebody you go over here on Sunday and and you sing to him. But you don't really know him. He's not in your life. He's not leading your life. You've got to have a Saul-like experience where you go down to your knees and you submit to his lordship in your life. So many people say, I got the Savior, but they don't want the Lord. That's America. That's the American church. That's the reason why we're in the mess we're in. We have not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And when you do that, when you do that, he becomes your savior. Everything you learned isn't lost. It's all good. It just becomes personal and it becomes real. And he does something in your heart. And you got a story. You got a story. You're born again, and then you're ready to go up the mountaintop. Talk to somebody about that. So do you know, is your story straight? You got your story straight? You know how you came to faith in Christ? I got something to give you if you don't. Help you figure that out. The trail is a place of the spiritual disciplines. To strengthen your faith, Bible, make your prayer list, get, get in the Word, make a prayer list, start showing compassion to people, do, do these things that we talk about, you know. Uh, get filled up on the Spirit, seek a life of holiness, start, stop trying to be a good person and start letting Jesus' light shine through you. Streams of living water flow from within us, not us trying to do it, it's not work, it kind of flows out of us. We need a strong faith. You will not make this climb with a weak faith. You certainly won't make it with a dead faith. The trail is a place to strengthen your faith. It's also a place to strengthen your heart. Life on the trail, even though it's good, is not easy. 
We get tired. We get weary. We get injured. We fall down. We fail. We get battered and bruised by the storms of life. We get discouraged. You know, when it doesn't seem like we're making progress. We get depressed. When things get dark and we wonder, where is God? Where is he in this mess? In this mess? The trail is a time to strengthen your heart. You know, hiking. Hiking is something that I like to do. Our family likes to do. Now, you should keep in mind that 99% of the hiking we've done has been in Indiana. So some people would say that's not even real hiking. And I would agree with them. But you know what? As I've aged, I've learned to appreciate that someone would build a bench on the trail. You know, that, that there's a place to sit down on the trail. Like even if it's a rock or a, a tree stump or maybe it's just a tree and I sit down on the ground. When we're hiking in Indiana, we're always trying to get somewhere. I've never sat down because I needed to or because I wanted to. I never sat down because I wanted to. The only time I've ever sat down on a trail in Indiana is because I needed to sit down. Well, it's the same. It's the, it's the same for a life on this spiritual trail that I'm describing. Uh, There's times when we're going to be climbing up, uh, but there's times when climbing up isn't possible because our heart isn't capable. It's hurt, it's tired, it's sick, it's sad, it's dark. And if that's you this morning, I can tell you that Jesus is not calling you to climb up the hill and have spiritual conversations. He's calling you to sit down with him on the trail. Sit down and let him give, him give you what you need to be able to climb. Because he can heal up your wounds. Maybe it's a forgiving thing. Maybe he wants you to forgive somebody. Maybe uh, you need to cry. Cry over losing somebody. Maybe you need to learn. Learn from a failure. So you, you want to put yourself in that place to receive God's comfort because he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles, as 1 Corinthians says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But then it goes on to say, so that you can be a comfort to others. So there's times on the trail when you need to strengthen your heart. And that's just basically living out Psalm 23. Living it out on the trail, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Is that you today? Do you need your soul restored? He leads me on the trail of right living for his name's sake. Even if that trail goes to the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid because he's with me. His rod and his staff are guiding me. He anoints my head with his healing oil. He is my advocate in the presence of my enemies. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. You know, there's, that's, a real, that's a real good psalm for the trail when your heart is tired or weary or sick or dark. 
Sometimes it's all you can do is get out of bed and sit down on the trail with Jesus and let him do what only he can do in you. He is our good shepherd. So make make use of the trail. It's necessary to become a multiplier. It's a place to get strong in our relationships in the Lord. It's a place to have our our, uh, our faith strengthened, our story straight, practicing the disciplines, a place for Jesus to strengthen our heart, to heal us, get us strong for the climb, because you're not going to make the climb if you're not getting strong on the, on the trail. Now, the trail is it's a, good, it's a good place. It's a, it's a place of devotions. It's a place of Bible study. It's a place of fellowship. It's, it's a good place. It, it, it really, I hope it, it sounds like church life. That's, that's what it should. It, it should sound like your personal life with God. The trail is a good place, and that precisely is the problem. <laughs> it is so good, we never want to leave it. You know, we never want to leave the trail, leave the comfort and security of it, and get up on the mountain. But we need to get up on the mountain because that's where people are who, who need to hear about Jesus. You know, you know that's where... That's where we, want, we need to go if we're going to be multiplier. Now, verse 22 said that Saul increased in strength all the more. So he's getting strong on the trail. He's going to the synagogue and he's climbing the mountain and he's mystifying the Jews about his, with his teaching. He's proving that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting on. And that's what it looks like. He went to that place where people needed to believe in Christ and he told them his story and he explained to them. I mean, can you imagine... How much they hated him. You know, here, 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 came, here comes our champion and he defects to the other team. <laughs> That's why they all wanted to kill him. Now, from, from there, so like before verse 23, in my Bible, there's a white space there. Well, that white space is like a three-year gap. Galatians tells us that uh, Paul, Saul, I keep saying Paul, so it's the same guy. <laughs> Saul, he went to Galatia and he spent three years studying under Jesus Christ himself, either learning directly from Christ or from uh, through through the word being taught by Christ. Either way, he was being trained and he was being taught by Jesus himself. Now, after that, he goes back to Damascus and the Jews remember him and they want to kill him. They want to kill him for his defection and his preaching. And so he escapes to Jerusalem, but he gets to Jerusalem and the disciples don't want to receive him there because they're afraid of him. They know about his reputation. They know what kind of guy he was. So Barnabas comes alongside Saul and he makes the introduction. He goes to the disciples, the leadership in the church, and he says, hey, I got to tell you what happened to this guy on the road to Damascus. And that that gave Saul this huge wide open door in Jerusalem to begin preaching, preaching boldly, going to the synagogues, climbing the mountain. And so he uh, stirs up trouble again, and then the church whisks him away to, to Tarsus. Now, Saul is showing us what bold, courageous mountain climbing looks like in these verses. But here's the thing. I don't think that everyone is going to be like Saul. Okay, I don't think that everyone, I don't think that maybe there is ever going to be somebody like Saul again. He had a unique upbringing. He had this passion for the Jewish faith. 
and he, uh, Jesus entered his world and he repurposed all of that, his upbringing and what he, and his knowledge, and he repurposed that to, to be a multiplier in the kingdom of God to the Gentile world. So the gifts that God gave Saul made him a one-of-a-kind multiplier. We don't have to live up to Saul. But what we, what we do want to see in his life is this example of climbing that mountain again and again. It was a pattern in his life to go and share what he knew with people who didn't know. That's something that we can do. So in getting up on this mountain to have these spiritual conversations, we aren't going to really look like Saul. We're going to look more like Ananias. More like Ananias. He's the guy back in the first part of the story in Acts chapter 9 that Jesus calls to go visit Saul. So Jesus comes to Ananias and he gives him this vision and he, and he tells him, Hey, it's time to get off the trail. Go to Judas' house on Straight Street. And you'll find a guy there named Saul of Tarsus and he's praying. And Ananias says, Are you sure? Lord, I, I, I've heard some bad things about this guy. This is like a bad dude. I mean, he is like an enemy of me. I and mean, he has the authority of the Jewish uh, people, the, the high priest, to arrest people like me and take them to Jerusalem and put them on trial and kill them. Are you sure, God? You want me to go and talk to this guy? And Jesus says, Go. He's the chosen instrument to be a multiplier in the kingdom. That's just how it happens for us. Isn't it? We get a vision. <laughs> no, probably isn't usually what's going to happen to us. But don't we get called? Don't, doesn't God bring people across our radar to go and engage, to go have a conversation with? You know, it's going to be somebody off the trail, maybe somebody you don't even know. But likely, likely you do know them. Someone who doesn't know Christ. Someone who may be, may be even anti-Jesus. There was nobody more anti-Jesus than Saul was. And that's who God chose to be a multiplier. But before he could start multiplying, he needed a visit from Ananias. I really believe the same thing happens, happens today. Happens today. See, God's got a story problem. It's a multiplication story problem. There are 7 billion people in the world. Now, when I was trying to figure the story problem out, remember, I don't like story problems, but I was, I was trying to figure the story problem out, and I tried to figure out how many people have ever lived in the history of the world. And so the only person that's ever come up with that number or an estimate of that number, they were like an old earth person, so they were going from like 50,000 B.C., so I couldn't use the number, but it was over 100 billion. So I just go, okay, 7 billion people in the world today. 33% of them claim claim that they are Christians. And and it's the largest group in the world today. But only 3% of them are willing to share their faith with someone who's in the other 66%. And so you get 6.6 billion people who need to hear about the only way to come to God, Jesus. But you only got 99 million people willing to tell them. So that means we got to do more than addition. That means we got to do multiplication to solve God's problem. So it means we, we got to become a multiplier. And when you are willing to become a multiplier, I promise you, you can count on God bringing people across your radar who need to know about Jesus. And that's when we get to feeling 
like Ananias. That person? God? Are you sure you want me to go talk to, to them? I mean, we're hesitant. We got, we got questions. Do I know enough? We got fears. What's going to happen if I do this? We got doubts. I don't have a Saul story. I don't have a conversion story like that. How could God use that? How could God use me to evangelize my neighbor or my co-worker or my classmate? And that's what makes going up the mountain hard. And that's the reason why you need your faith, your relationships, and your heart to be strong. Because the truth is this. You're never going to alleviate your fears of talking to somebody about Jesus. You're never going to answer all your questions and you're never going to relieve all of your doubts. So the only way to climb up the mountain is by faith. Your faith has to overcome all of that and your uh, friends praying for you and your heart beating for Jesus strong. A passion leads you up there. Say yes to God. And to share about what he's done in your life. Now you want to get to verse 17 that says Ananias departed the house and he entered the other house. He does all that by faith. Imagine that walk. I don't know how far it was to Straight Street. Yeah, to Judas's house. Can you imagine that? I mean, all he's got is this vision. So he's every step is a step by faith. He's a human guy. He's human. He's just like you and me, Ananias. Think about that. I'm going to an enemy of, of the gospel who could arrest me and take me to Jerusalem and, and I die there. So it's, it's walking by faith. He, he does all of that. He goes into the house. He lays hands on him. He says, Brother Saul. That was a ver- that's verbal faith right there. Saul hadn't said anything. All we've got is a confirmation of the vision that here he is blind and praying. Brother Saul, Jesus has sent me to help you and to receive the Holy Spirit. Does all of that by faith. And that's how it's going to be for us. If we want to become a multiplier. If you missed the fall dinner that we had a couple weeks ago, you missed a really inspiring testimony uh, from Emily Foreman, who is, had been a missionary in the country of Narnia. We use those names to protect the people that are over there in that country. But she described for us uh, what life was like when she went there and their expectations. It's, it's a country that it's illegal to be a Christian. It's illegal to gather as a church. It's basically 100% Muslim. And it happened to, uh, when, when uh, they went there, it happened just after 9-11. And so there was all these fears, all these questions. But when they got there, they were surprised that this closed country to the gospel was so open. And it was the easiest time they had ever had at sharing Christ. These people wanted to know about Jesus. And then she said this, after she said that, she said, it's not like it is here. Here it's hard. Because faith is a personal, private matter. And we hold it close, we tuck it away. And I hope that that encourages you. I hope it encourages you that a missionary who went over and had her husband die for, the, for Jesus told us, listen, this is hard work here. Evangelism is hard in America. It's, it's a free, free, we're free to be able to believe, but it's hard to be able to share what about the one we believe in. 
And so the only way to get over those fears and questions and doubts that God could use us is to start climbing, to start looking for people to have these spiritual conversations with. And we do that by faith. So when you get up there, I mean, can you just imagine yourself sitting over here at Meyer at Starbucks, or maybe you just go over there for a cup of coffee or a soda or whatever you drink, and you go, you know, I'm going to just sit down here, and I'm going to sit next to somebody who I don't know, and I'm going to strike up a conversation, and just, yeah, weather, whatever. And, and then you go from that somehow. You can't do this jump, but you're gonna, I'm going to jump you. And you say, do you pray? What do you pray about? What do you believe happens when you die? You know about Kanye West? Just became a Christian. What do you think about that? What do you think about Jesus? These are mountaintop kinds of questions. And they lead to spiritual conversations. They lead to multiplication. Is there anybody that God has put in your life today that you know that he wants you to share Christ with? Is there anybody? Have you been hanging out on the trail for a long time? Have you been a Christian a long time and never shared Christ with anybody? You're in the majority. Trail is good. I mean, you know, you might get rejected if you get off the trail. You might get hurt. You, get, you might get pushed off the mountain. You might lose your job. You might lose a friend. You might get labeled a radical. You might get yelled at to mind your own business. You might. All those things in one way or another happen to Jesus. And that's who we're following. And if we're going to follow them, if we're going to become multipliers, if we're going to participate in the mission of the church, if we're going to say yes to God, then we've got to risk it. We've got to risk it and start getting up on the mountaintop with people. Saul's mountain climbing, it definitely stirred up trouble. I mean, all the time. So he ends up going to Caesarea and then to Tarsus. And then verse 31 tells us what happened in Jerusalem after he left Let me read it to you again. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Here is what we've got to remember. We've got to remember this. We've got to remind ourselves of this every single day. When it comes to being a multiplier in the kingdom of God, something very few of us do. We've got to remember it's it's not on us to, to make multiplication happen. We're not in this alone. When you get off the trail, when you make the climb, and you get up on top of the mountain, what you find is God's already up there and he's working in this person's life. So you're just joining God in what he's doing. You're joining him in his missions. So we take our fears, we take our questions, and we take our faith, and it pushes us up the hill. Saul was an experienced mountain climber, and it wasn't until he left the city that the church multiplied. So God did that. God wants to multiply. 
We're just participating in solving the story problem. If we don't remember that, we're just stay on the trail. We won't risk anything. Or we'll make the climb and we'll have these spiritual conversations in our own wisdom and in our own wit and in our own personality and all this stuff and that'll go badly because it's really not for God then, it's for you. To mark, uh, mark a belt, you know, got one saved today. We don't do any of that. Got to let God lead us and love through us or, or it's not going to be effective. Um, Pastor, Shane, Pastor Shane last week, he said, God loves to make things grow. And by the way, thank you, brother, for stepping in on short notice. Last week, I was watching online. So hello, everybody online. God loves to make things grow. And his favorite way to make things grow is use multiplication. He uses multiplication. God is a multiplier. He created, the creator created his creation to multiply. I mean, you you just look at anything living and you will see something that can multiply. Look at a dandelion. Single flower comes up. When it dies, 54 to 172 seeds get blown into the wind to become 54 to 172 different dandelions. Multiplication. Fruit trees. Animals. Human beings. They were commanded to multiply. Baby girls are born with, on average, 2 million eggs in their ovaries. A healthy man can send roughly 250 million sperm to fertilize one of those eggs during sex. We are created to multiply. But it doesn't, isn't just limited to the physical world. It is also seen in the spiritual world. It's all over the Bible. God gave Abraham a promise to multiply. He told him, a barren man, look up and you will see... How many descendants you have? You'll have descendants, the number of the stars. That's a promise to multiply. Um, God gave his people the moral law to follow. And it's in there. He provided them something so that they could multiply. It says you'll be blessed in Deuteronomy 6 and you'll multiply. Jesus gave the church a commission to multiply. Go and make disciples of all nations. He was telling 12 guys that. That's a promise, that's a commission to multiply. We see in Acts chapter 9, after they obeyed, what happened to the church? It multiplied. So we see it in action. There's evidence of multiplication. Paul later gives Timothy a personal responsibility to multiply. He told him in 2 Timothy 2.2, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's a, a per, that's personal responsibility to multiply. I'm really ahead of you, Kurt. <laughs> you know what happens when you multiply two numbers together? You know what the answer is called? The product. It's called the product. Did you know that the product of God's multiplication story problem is in the Bible? He gives us the answer. He gives it to us. It's in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. 
I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. That is the church in heaven. Verse 9, called them a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe and peoples and language. How did they get there? Repeated addition, which is just multiplication. One by one. People like us, followers of Jesus. We leave the comfort of the trails, uh, our lives on the trail to make these fearful climbs and we, and faith-filled climbs and we go up and we have spiritual conversations and God's spirit works, opens a door and someone believes in Jesus. That's how it happens. That's plan A. There is no plan B. People like us accepting responsibility. Remember what that missionary said? It doesn't take extraordinary people. It's just ordinary people. Saying yes and being willing. So I ask you today, will you become a multiplier? Will you become a multiplier? Will you join God on the mountain top with somebody who needs a mountaintop experience with Jesus? All you need, all you need is a story about Christ, how he changed you, how he saved you. Two people praying for you and some in a heart that's on fire for God. That's all you need. For such a time as this stream, God is calling us to this. We believe it's happening. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Let's have our worship team come back up. My mom has a really cool old family Bible that she had out. And I took a picture of a, a page in the back. It's, a, it's the births, the births record page. It's printed sometime back in the 1800s. And um, there are nine names on this page, starting with Thomas McCarthy, Born on January 9th, 1856, ending with Margaret Helen McCarthy, born June 23rd, 1902. And I just was looking at that and I was thinking how really cool it is that I'm related to those people. Looks like we got a little Irish blood. Lucy, that's where your red hair came from. Have you ever thought about how the Lamb's Book of Life is laid out? You know, is it just alphabetical order? You know that, that book I'm talking about, the book that has the names of all the believers in it for, for all time? You know, that's basically Jesus' family Bible, in a sense. You know, the way you get your name in that book is to believe in Jesus. Well, as I had the brush with death last weekend, a man tends to, uh, you know, evaluate his life. And I remembered this page and I wondered to myself what is my spiritual family tree going to look like what are the names of people on that page that came before me who passed Jesus down to somebody who passed it down to somebody who ended up passing it down to me 
And will there be any names after me? Where I shared Christ with somebody and they believed and then they shared Christ with somebody and they believed. What's my spiritual family tree going to look like? There's going to be a few names on there, I I know. There's going to be a few Indian names on there that I couldn't pronounce and probably a few Brazilian names on there. But I'm hoping there's going to be a whole bunch of other names that I don't even know. What is your page going to look like? What's it going to look like? I'll tell you this. You can count on it being filled with names if you give yourself to being a multiplier. If you'll just offer yourself to God, your your boring story as it is. And you'll go to people up on the mountaintop and you'll have people praying for you to go and you're telling them about that and you got a little flicker in your heart you know, for Jesus and you're, you're, you're starting to talk to people. And, you know, just go up there and say to them, hey, how can I pray for you today? I'm a person of prayer. Jesus changed my life. I believe he answers prayer. How can I pray for you today? Oh, do that. Do that. Do that today. Do it. Do it for your waiter or waitress if you go out to lunch today. It's going to put you right up there on the mountaintop. And maybe you'll be that last person, you know. It takes more than one to lead somebody to Jesus a lot of times. There's a, there's a chain. It's got links in it. You might be that last link. Somebody gets chained to Christ. Would you like to pray with me to believe in him today? It could happen. If you'll make the climb, if you'll give yourself to being a multiplier. So say yes to it as we sing this last song. Go ahead and stand. Uh, Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to hear about how you multiply. We see that story and think about it and know it, and it's good to be reminded that you could take your greatest enemy and turn him into your greatest champion because there was a faithful disciple who climbed a mountain to help him have a mountaintop experience with you. Lord, we want to be faithful. We want to take the story that you have given us about uh, Jesus, the way that he changed our lives, however that was, where we came to a saving knowledge of him. Help us, Lord, know how to share that. Help us uh, to have eyes to see and ears to hear the people that are all around us that need to know about him, that need to believe in him. Lord, I pray that every single one of us in this room, everyone who can hear my voice today, that you would make them a multiplier for your kingdom. Not for them, not for those that are going to believe, but for your glory. Let us be a city on a hill right here in McCordsville, Lord, for your glory. Use us, set us on fire, pour us out for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen.